Good morning, church. Oh, kind of chilly. Yeah? <laughs> wow. So good to be with you. I was just thinking, we are living in uncertain times, aren't we? I mean, when you turn on the news, all you hear about is the novel coronavirus, and all of us is, are, are, we're, we're tracking that virus. And every time we turn on the TV, it seems like uh, there's more that's infected, there's, there's more that's dying, and, and it kind of can be scary. We live in uncertain times. There's climate change um, that's happening like things that are not supposed to be melting are melting, and things that are not supposed to be on fire are on fire. It's just, uh, it's just like heartbreaking. And there's conflicts and wars, um, and so many millions are displaced from their homes as a result. And there's extreme poverty and extreme hunger. I mean, the rich seem to be getting richer, and the poor keep getting poorer. It's just heartbreaking. We are living in uncertain times. And on a national level, um, politics is absolutely nasty nowadays. And um, our country is deeply divided. And on a local level, yes, we live in paradise and we should never take it for granted that we live in Hawaii, but we have some serious problems of our own. Uh, we have a prostitution problem, human trafficking problem. We have a drug problem. We have an uptick in violent crimes. We even have a, a, a purse snatching problem. Purse snatching of elderly women. It's like, it's heartbreaking. We live in uncertain times. And my guess is it was probably no different 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth. They probably lived in uncertain times as well. And in those uncertain times, Jesus outlined for his followers his plan A. And listen to what Jesus said to his people. This is his plan A. There's no plan B. It's plan A. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me in to Matthew chapter 5? And we're going to begin in verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And Jesus says to his followers, this is plan A. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus says, this is plan A. You are the salt of the earth. Salt was a very important commodity back then. Salt was used for seasoning. Salt was used for flavoring. Rock salt was used uh, uh, lightly on the top of uh, soil to fertilize. Salt solutions were used for medical purposes. Salt was very important. And so what does Jesus mean when he says, you, you are the salt of the earth? I think what Jesus means is that the situations and the relationships that you find yourself in throughout your day, that you are to be salt, that you are to season 
that you are to flavor, that you are to fertilize with the love of Christ. And so the question is, where are you on Monday mornings? Wherever you're at on Monday mornings, that's your mission field. I want, to, I want you to kind of visualize where you'll be tomorrow morning. For some of you, you'll be at your workplace. For some of you, you'll be at school, at elementary school, middle school, high school, in college. For some of you, you'll be at home, but you'll go grocery shopping, or you, you, you'll bump into a neighbor. Wherever you're at, you're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to season and flavor and fertilize with the love of Christ. You're supposed to season and flavor and fertilize with the fruit of the Spirit, with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. This is God's plan A. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. This is a high calling. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus not only says that you are the salt of the earth, but look at what Jesus says next. There's two parts to plan A. Part one, you are the salt of the earth. This is part two. Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. You, you are the light of the world. This is plan A. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. That's God's plan A. You are the light of the world. Light is so important. It's critical. In fact, so critical that that was God's first creation mandate. He, he actually created light. That was the first thing that he created in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He said, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that it was good. And then in day four, check out what happens in day four. God, God created the two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars god set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the the, the darkness from the light and god called and that and god saw that it was good and that was the fourth day two days out of the six days of creation dedicated to light. Light is important. Light is critical. In Exodus, if you remember, we read, the ten, we read about the ten plagues. And the ninth plague was something called the plague of darkness. 
I don't know about you, but when I was reading through the ten plagues uh, and I got to the, pla- uh, the, the ninth plague, I thought, huh? It's kind of interesting. I mean, you read, uh, you read about the plague of blood, the pla- plague of frogs, and then gnats, and then flies, the plague on livestock, the plague of boils, and then hail, and then locusts, and then you get to the plague of darkness. That's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, I'd be kind of scared of all the other plagues, but the plague of darkness? Huh? It's kind of easy-peasy, isn't that? Well, not so. Listen to what happens with the plague of darkness. It says that Moses stretched out his hand to the sky and there was total darkness that covered Egypt for three days. And then it says that, it says, no one could see anyone else or move about for three days. I mean, someone could literally be up on your personal space and you wouldn't know it. I mean, you can't even see your hand. It's so dark for three days. And then after three days, Pharaoh's like, man, I've had enough of darkness. And so he summons Moses and says, hey, Moses, go already, go. I'll let you go, go and and worship your Lord. But do me a favor, turn the lights back on. Light is critical. Light dispels darkness. We need light. And so what does Jesus mean when he says, you are the light of the world? As Christians, we are to bear the light of Christ. We are to carry, to bring the light of Christ, wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, we are to bring the light of Christ. So important, the light of Christ. God calls you to be light, and God calls you to be salt. That's God's plan A. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And throughout every generation, the Lord looks for God-fearing men and women who are willing to be salt and light. And William Booth was such a God-fearing man. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. He founded the Salvation Army in 1865. And he ministered in the, uh, the slums of East London. He ministered to the poor and those that were alcoholics. For over 50 years, he served God. And then towards the end of his life, when he was frail and old, he said something profound. He said this. He said, While women weep, as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, 
while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. William Booth, He was used by God because he was willing to be salt and light. He was willing to be a salt seasoning, light shining agent of change, and God used him in the world. In every generation, the Lord looks for God fearing men and women who are willing to be salt and light. Mother Teresa was such a woman. She ministered among the poorest of the poor in India. In 1950, she founded this organization called the Missionaries of Charity. The purpose of this organization, in her own words, she said, to care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the leper, those people that feel unwelcomed, unloved, uncared for throughout society. In her book, Mother Teresa wrote this. She said, We have been created for greater things to love and be loved. Mother Teresa She was willing to be used by God to be salt and light. And God used her to be a salt seasoning, light shining, agent of change in the world. In every generation, God looks for God-fearing men and women who are willing to be salt and light. Martin Luther King Jr. was such a man. He was a God-fearing man. From 1955 until his assassination in 1968, he was an amazing leader and an amazing voice for the civil rights movement. In his I Have a Dream speech, he said this. He said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged for the color of their skin, but for the content of their character. Martin Luther King Jr. He was a God-fearing man that was willing to be salt and light. 
And God used him to be a salt seasoning, light shining, agent of change in the world. And I believe that even today, God is looking. God is looking for men and women who are willing to be God-fearing agents of change, who are willing to be salt and light, who are willing to be a salt seasoning, light shining agent of change. And the question for you this morning, are you willing to be salt and light wherever you're at? Where are you on Monday mornings? That's your mission field. That's where you're supposed to be salt and light. Are you salt and light at your workplace? Are you salt and light in your schools? Are you salt and light among your family and friends? Are you salt and light in your community? That's God's plan A. There's no plan B. You, you are God's plan A. You are salt You are light. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us pray.